Doctrine and Devotion is sponsored by Mission Aware. Mission Aware is producing some amazing busts of great theologians. You want to check them out at theologianstatues.com. Stay tuned for more information. Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. You know, that fan over there is blowing the zombie crossing uh, mm-hmm. tape that's on the you door. Know what? It has to just turn off. Just yeah, turn it off. It's just bothering. All right. All right. Joe's turning it off, guys. We're just turning it off. It's annoying. You just hit that button. That button. There you go. He's got it. Good job, Joe. <sighs> Finally. How you doing? I'm doing good. It took us like a lot to get here and set up at the cigar shop. Oh, oh it, my took, gosh. it took forever. It was like uh, lots of moving parts. We had to kick people out of this room. We and, had to go get more or have people bring us other yeah, pieces that we, we forgot. We, we, forgot uh, we forgot a critical piece of recording equipment, so we yep. asked uh, the ministry assistant of Redeemer Fellowship to drive it over here. <laughs> We're like, can you please assist us? <laughs> <laughs> it's in your job description, girl. Well, no, well, no, no not this. This well, is not assist. It. Well, just to And assist. this is ministry, so I think... Uh, I think <laughs> I think we're good. Hey, um, did you notice that super handsome guy sitting at the table? I'm well. I don't have a mirror. I can't see myself. Not you, <laughs> the bald one. You're not. Not handsome. me. That one, <gasps> Stephen Kapalchik. So we are we are joined by Stephen Kapalchik uh, today. Now, if uh, if you know Stephen, the first thing that comes to your mind is like, man, that guy's handsome. He's tall. He's good looking. And then if you get to know him, you're like, wow, he's really friendly and he's godly mm-hmm. and he's fun. Despite uh, having all those kids. I feel I, like with all them kids, I would be like, he is a angry. TLC show. Yeah. How you, got, how you got like 12 kids? <laughs> We've got six. It does feel like a TLC show. Absolutely. Six kids. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, my, some of my kids like to hang out with your kids. We do, man. I tell you, you've got some amazing kids. We love your family and just blessed by them. Uh, Eli and Catherine and. You know, uh, Bonger and all these guys, man. We love them. Man. You don't have to lie, Steven. I'm not stop lying, it. man. Just these are, these are good people. Stop you go it. ahead, lie. It's good. good. People, stop yeah. it. Yeah. Now, don't bear false witness. So, <laughs> which commandment is that, Jimmy? Yeah, you know it's in there. Oh, mm-hmm. it's in that one. Yeah. It's in there. Uh-huh. It's in there. You yeah. remember okay. where it's at, Steven? Mm-hmm. Top 10. Top 10. Top 10. It's in the top 10. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, you're going to be just fine. That's how we know you're going to be just fine on the podcast. Now, if you guys don't know Steven, Steven works for Crossway. Now, Steven, what is your title at Crossway? So, I'm the director of global distribution. Stop. That sounds like a drug pin drug kingpin title basically the director of the global, global director dist- of distribution no no director of global distribution that sounds yeah. like something yeah. from breaking bad yeah maybe that, I, I mean what are you distributing kind of global like walter white you know he is bald yeah persona about you don't know walter white who is he oh he okay oh, oh, he's, yeah. why don't we wrap it up yeah check out should we check out he, he's check out too Christian. much of a believer right there <laughs> so what is it yeah. that you what does that mean? Yeah, so effectively, I work with all of Crossway's international partners. Um, anybody that's not located in the 50 states, um, you know, I work with them to distribute Crossway resources. So uh, working closely with partners in the UK, got the privilege of traveling with my man Joe in South Africa. It was, was a great fun. time. That yeah, so a lot, of, fun, lot of great great times there. And you didn't bail on me. You stayed the whole time. I did not bail the like, whole so time. Jokers. Yeah. Yeah. Half timers. Sorry for that. Yeah. I apologize. Dan. Yeah. Who were some of the, yeah. Dan Bush. Dan Bush. Part timer. VP hmm. of sales. Yeah. Left us. Yeah. VP of nothing. Yeah. Oh, uh, Dane Ortland. He left Dane too. Dane Ortland. Yeah. He did. He did. Mm-hmm. Although Dane, Dane gets a pass. We love Dane. You know, I uh, love Dan too, but I don't know. Hold don't on. Know. Is Dane your boss? Is that why he said Dane is not my boss. Dan's my boss. So I, you know, Dan is also half Steven's size. Yeah. 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> those guys were all awesome, man. It was such a good time. I'm so yeah. glad that we got oh, to do it. Let's hear about this trip man. where I wasn't on again. Yeah, they I did not invite you. you. I would that love to hear like, about this. What happened? I thought you were coming with us. No, I don't remember the invite. No, I only come out if Justin Taylor says. Actually, gave the invite to Joe to give to you. It might have got lost. It might got lost in my inbox. You know, I am with my email, Jimmy. How many email messages are in your email box right now? Uh, Hold okay. on, we're we're playing. Not okay. that many. No, no, okay. He says not that many. Right. I'm calling six hundred. So which one? Which 600? one? Joe Thorne or JT? Let's go. Uh, J- uh, JT. I'm JT, gonna go six hundred. Just a few in JT. JT oh, is. Let's see, six hundred. Yeah. It. That's his pastoral okay, email, right? It I mean, says yeah. There's a plus after the number. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. it's over this. Okay, Whatever wait, this wait, is, nine hundred ninety nine. That's a lot. Those are, but you know, I've, for the record, but there are others that have been opened. Those no. are the unopened ones. So JT, what what, what email is that? What is that for? I don't know. I get too many. And then Joe Thorne at Gmail is um, two thousand and forty two. So it's somewhere <laughs> in there is my invite. Okay, you know somewhere what? in there. But you know what? Oh, I know where it's. It, it was with his passport. That's what. Oh, it was. oh, yeah. oh <laughs> my gosh! I, Sorry, Joe. I thought you were sorry. a nice person. Yeah, I was. You know what? Okay, but uh, one of the things: don't fist bump him. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. But you, you, you not only work uh, for Crossway, you have a heart for the church. Um, you know, you're, you're a member at Redeemer. You and your wife yeah. are members of Redeemer. Um, you, you love the church local. You love the church global. You love the universal church. Yeah. And uh, you started something called the St. Charles Institute. I did, yeah. Can you, can you talk to us about that? Yeah. So um, I think my personal journey with the persecuted church really started back in 1998. It was my first job out of college working with a ministry uh, that was serving uh, effectively indigenous ministries, um, you know, Christian nationals that were uh, either church planting or, you know, had missionary efforts. And um, every, you know, every week we would have these chapel services where folks from different countries would come in and just share their story, you mm-hmm. know. And I remember so vividly um, a brother from India coming and he started to tell these tales of persecution. And, you know, I think at some point, you know, you, you kind of hear these as you're growing up. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, some Christians suffer and, and, you know, are persecuted for their faith. But for the first time, I encountered somebody that had actually been persecuted. Yeah, for not a faith. story mm-hmm. from not long a, ago. That's right. And I think what, what made it such a, 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 you know, an impact on my life was just, it was so raw. Uh, it was a, through a lot of tears and heartbreak. Uh, he suffered tremendous isolation mm-hmm. from his family uh, because he had converted and, and, and followed Christ. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, from that really began a journey for me, uh, you know, having traveled overseas and, and worked in various ministries uh, in the Middle East and in uh, the UK and others. Um, you know, you, when you encounter brothers and sisters that are willing to suffer so much for their faith, it impacts you. Mm-hmm. And so right. uh, Stephanie and I, we decided to move from Washington, D.C. and worked there for about eight years doing fundraising for a large nonprofit and uh, moved to Illinois to be closer to her folks. And like you said, we've we've got a large tribe, you know, yeah. uh, and, and, and uh, growing. It's growing a lot. No, no, no. It's not and growing. I'm, I'm, I'm oh, are you, are you yeah. done? I, I think it's a good well, time. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, we'll I, see about yeah. that. Uh, we've got bets. We'll, There's yeah. a baby pool. Yeah. We're going to talk again in eight months. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm sweating already. Yeah. Um, so when we moved here, I, I, I had uh, begun to encounter a lot of articles, a lot of research. Um, just about the great decline of Christianity in the Middle East. Mm. And so as I took a deep dive, I took some time, about six months, worked with a, a trust 
to uh, really study the situation uh, facing Christians in the Middle East. And I think, you know, we do a great job of, of talking about our successes, yeah. but when there's significant pressure and hardship mm-hmm. um, that the church in the Middle East faced, uh, it's stark, it's, it's real. You know, so I went back and looked at some numbers and like over a period of a hundred years, you'd seen a tremendous decline in terms of percentage of population, um, you know, just the opportunities for gospel witness in these lands. The decline in the percentage of Christians in the population? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, in these various countries. So, um, you know, for example, Turkey went from, you know, almost 22% Christian in 1910 down to less than 1% in 2010. Really? Wow. So if you think of, of a diminishing witness and a diminishing light of Christ in the community, uh, you know, it just, it, it broke my heart. Mm-hmm. And so um, we started the Institute really as a prayer. It remains a prayer. Um, but to just create a sense of awareness uh, and partnership with the church in the Middle East, we want to be a voice. Um, actually, we don't want to be a voice. We want to be a platform where they can share their voice. Mm. Mm. And so really that's the heart behind it is, is to uh, look for opportunities to partner with the brothers and sisters and let them share their stories and things that we can learn and glean from them. So, so I mean, awesome. a, a lot of, uh, I hear that word of persecution a lot, right? Um, people talk about the persecuted church and even in the States, you know, uh, some people would talk Stop about being persecuting perse- me. Stop pers- yeah, they're hurting I'm being me. so persecuted. How would, how would you define persecution? Yeah, it's a great question. And, um, you know, as I've thought about, you know, what is the definition of persecution? I think the reality is there's a continuum of persecution, mm. right? So, you know, if you've got a, a straight line and on one side you've got, uh, you know, discrimination and on the other side, martyrdom, you know, a lot of our experiences, a lot of the Christian experience can be somewhere alongside right. that you yeah. know, continuum. Yeah. I think when we think of the persecuted church, um, sometimes we create this sense that there's two churches, one that's persecuted, one that's not. That's good. But I think the Bible teaches that, you know, all that live a godly life will be persecuted. I think it looks different for everybody. But mm-hmm. um, so persecution, you know, Open Doors, their ministry that, that's been serving amongst the persecuted church for years, you know, they, they've defined it as persecution as any hostility experienced as a result of identification with Christ. So not hostility because you're a jerk face. That's right. Oh, oh. <laughs> See, there's a lot of that it's in different. America. It's different, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, identifying with Christ, it's, it's a marker, you know, we're, we're light in a dark world. And when people see that light, sometimes that's offensive. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, again, anywhere from discrimination, harassment, you know, violence, uh, torture, imprisonment, mm-hmm. all the way to martyrdom, uh, somewhere along that scale, I think, you know, every Christian will fall. I think typically in the West, uh, we fall more towards the, uh, the discrimination, harassment. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. some, there, there can be legal discrimination right. at times right. and, right. um, and harassment for sure. Threats maybe yeah. at mm-hmm. times, Absolutely, but there's not a whole lot of destruction of property. Yeah, more, it's I mean, more, if like, it is, it's more it's, like discomfort. Yeah. But it is, a, but it's on that spectrum. So that's, I think that's helpful for us to start to think about it because, um, you know, for a lot of people, we, we think about persecution and we think, oh, I've, you know, poor me. And we kind of develop this victim mentality. The world's out to get me, mm-hmm. you know, like the martyr syndrome right, right. Uh, when it's not necessarily legit. Or we think about, like you were saying, we think about uh, the persecuted church as something that happens uh, far away. Or in fact, I think a lot of Christians don't know about the persecuted church today, mm. the degrees to which Christians are genuinely severely persecuted. Right. We think about Fox's book of martyrs yes. and we think about it in a historical sense. Yeah. So, you know, what, when we're, when we're talking about this idea of persecution, 
and the various forms that it takes. And we recognize it to be a present reality. Mm -hmm. um, what, what is the dominant theme or what are some of the dominant themes in scripture about persecution? What does the Bible have to, because the Bible says a lot about persecution, but mm -hmm. what are some of the big things that the Bible says about persecution? Yeah, I, I you know, I, I had, um, as I was giving thought to what would be helpful in this setting and in this context, you know, as, as we've got brothers and sisters around the world listening, um, you know, I think scripturally speaking, um, I think persecution is and it will be a part of the Christian's experience. I think that's one theme that we can take from scripture. Um, you know, I think Jesus in John 15, where he says, if the world hates you, know that it's hated me mm -hmm. before it hated you. And he says, if they persecute me, they'll also persecute you. So yeah. I think it's, it's a recognition that um, in some way, shape or form, that marker that we take when we identify with Christ is sort of a bullseye. It's, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a marker that is distinct and sets us apart. And it's also something that's going to attract, you know, some level of persecution. Um, I think the second thing that we, you know, that when we see persecution, it's hard, you know, it's hard when you hear a brother weeping, a grown man mm -hmm. yeah. weeping because he's been isolated from his family and he can never go back home under threat of violence or, or even death. Or his family's been taken from him. His family's I mean, been taken from him. Yeah, we see that, you know, often. Um, and so what do we do with that level of deep suffering? Um, and I think this is where, um, you know, I take great comfort in, in you know, Redeemer and, and, you know, the word that you bring every Sunday is that God is ultimately sovereign and he's in control in the midst of those great pains and sufferings. You know, I think you read stories in the Old Testament of, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown in a fiery furnace. Mm -hmm. um, there's great hope in that God knew that, uh, God ordained that, and yet he was right there with them, you know, in the furnace. And uh, so I think God's sovereignty and his control in the midst of, of great persecution and suffering is another theme. And then I think for me, again, the, 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 the great hope, the great comfort is that God is near to those that suffer. Mm -hmm. You know, when we suffer affliction, um, he's close. He's near. He's not far. And for the persecuted church, those that are suffering, um, you know, he's close. So, one of the things that you and I talked about uh, in, with with a bunch of other Christians on the on the on the balcony uh, in South Africa. Yeah. Remember when you and I, I were do. hanging out in South oh, Africa? Yeah, I remember, yeah. Oh, I, I wasn't no, there. Sorry, sorry. Thanks, sorry, Stephen. Dean. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so we were talking about this issue of suffering and and evil mm. and pain. And one of the things that's very true about you is that you genuinely love people you love the church and when people suffer uh you feel that like you are yeah. a sympathetic person to these things empathetic even and you know the bible says that we are to mourn with those who mourn mm. so mm. what does that look like like to to because we don't mourn as those without hope yes right? that's right so what does it look like to mourn? Because you know it's easy for us, especially Calvinists, right? Especially superficial Calvinists, it's easy for us to be like, "Pa, God's sovereign. Don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah, it's no yeah. big deal." Oh, yeah. oh, they took your kids away from you, and yeah. now they're dead and gone. Eh, you know, God's so like that's not how yeah. God feels about these things, mm -hmm. and that's not how we. So, what does it look like to mourn with those who mourn? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great, it's it's a great question, and I think it's a hard one, right? I think um, for me, I. I constantly have to appeal to the mystery of God. And I know sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, at work, we, we uh, guys give me a hard time uh, just about um, there, there's, there's a mystery in 
both in suffering. There's yeah. a mystery in God's sovereign rule over creation and and over uh, evil in particular. That's right, right. Yeah. and evil and and the suffering that we endure because of it. And um, so I always punt to not punt, but I always appeal to. Uh, the grace of God and the mm. joy of God in the midst of that. I think when people, uh, to weep with those who weep simply for me means joining with them in the struggle. You know, I think it, when I lost my father, mm. you know, some of the greatest uh, experiences of God's uh, joy uh, was to have those come alongside and and, and endure that with me, yeah. to walk that road and say, listen, brother, we're here with you and and, and we're going to, you know, walk this journey with you. You're not alone. So I think particularly as it relates to the persecuted church, um, it's hard, right? Because we, we live in comfort. We live in abundance. Yeah. We live in, in a space where uh, our experience on that sort of persecution continuum is very different than, for example, what they're facing right now in Nigeria or mm. China or, or others. But um, I think to weep with them uh, genuinely means to weep with them, to mourn with them, to grieve their loss, uh, to provide space in our world and our in the busyness of our day, um, to know what they're enduring, uh, to be willing to feel those pains. Um, I have the fortunate, you know, opportunities to meet a lot of these folks when I, when I do travel, and so when I do, um, to enter into those sufferings and to care for them, to lift them up before God and trust that He's got His you know, his, his good plan, uh, in effect, even in the midst of, of their great suffering. You want to see Stephen get mad? Start talking about like flippantly how God is sovereign yeah. from your American your <laughs> perch of comfort yeah. and, uh, yeah. hey, no big deal. God's sovereign. like, yeah. cause, cause you care. And yeah. I just, I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So you talked about like, I, I heard you say in Nigeria, China, I mean, where do you see kind of persecution being intense? throughout the world these days. I mean, uh, I think it's easy for us in the West to uh, be ignorant. And I mean that in the best possible, or not best possible, but like the most kind way, you know, I'm not saying, but uh, some of us are ignorant. You, some you, of us are, you don't have to qualify ignorant. Every time you say ignorant, you qualify. No, you don't because, have to do that. No, because the way it means people, you don't know. No, it means you don't know. Sometimes people take it as dummy. Well, because they're dumb. Okay. Well, okay. Go. So go. They're, they're ignorant. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, some people are ignorant. Some people are willfully, in, you mm-hmm. know, ignorant. They, mm-hmm. they, and they want to, they choose to ignore these things. And so, um, where, where do you see persecution being an intent, intense and in what ways uh, are people being persecuted throughout the world? Yeah. Um, I think if you think of persecution and along that continuum, I think what we're, we're doing now is really talking about uh, those instances of persecution that are sort of furthest mm-hmm. on, opposite of, say, harassment, discrimination. What right. we're really talking about are those instances of violence uh, imprisonment, um, even martyrdom. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can look at it in two categories. You can think of sort of state actors, okay. those actors that are, 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 are those uh, that are persecuting Christians uh, on behalf of the state or uh, in their role yeah. as state. So where, would you, where do you see that today? So today we see that uh, significantly in China. Okay. Uh, there's been a, a, a resurgence now in the, in the, uh, in China and in, in amongst the Chinese government to really suppress uh, Christian witness, particularly amongst uh, the house churches. Uh, we've been in close contact with with a church uh, in um, Beijing uh, that has just suffered, um, you know, 
uh, great persecution. I mean, mm. they, they, the, the church, the government actually came in uh, about three weeks ago, shut the church down, um, and, uh, you know, has been harassing believers, um, et cetera. Um, I think anywhere that you see sort of a merger of faith and, and state, uh, particularly as it relates to non-Christian mm -hmm. communities. So if you look at Islam and uh, Hinduism, um, we're seeing a lot of great pressure on the church as well. Uh, you think of contexts like India, uh, where, um, where the Hindu nationalist yeah. government is, is um, you know, causing great pressure and, and uh, has given really cover uh, to more radical elements in society, uh, you know, burning Bibles and, and uh, you know, sort of mob rule, mm -hmm. um, beating Christians, et cetera. Uh, and then you look at a place like Egypt um, that has, you know, throughout the revolution, um, you know, uh, Christians became very vulnerable. They had a strong man in Mubarak that um, helped to suppress some of those elements. But when that was removed, um, again, the, the church went under great pressure. So um, throughout the world, anytime you have those mergers of, of religion and uh, state you know, mm -hmm. authorities, you, you, you do see uh, increased persecution. So then outside of the, the state influence, what kind of persecution are you seeing? Kind well, of so then you, yeah, then you can look at the sort of the non-state actors, mm -hmm. you know, those groups like, for example, ISIS. Perhaps okay. they have, you know, ambitions of, of statehood. Um, but you see these terrorist groups that are seeking to promote more um, purist forms of their ideology uh, and the implications of that. You know, there are theologies that teach, um, uh, you know, effectively that Christians are second class citizens and that um, they should always be rejected. Uh, any male, you know, convert, for example, that, that leaves Islam for any reason. Mm -hmm. You know, so, uh, four of the five schools of Islamic law say he should be killed. I mean, that's that's a significant implication. Uh, and we see these these terrorists, these these non-state actors really throughout the world. But they're given cover mm. uh, in a lot of these fundamentalist societies. So, mm. well, man, we, there's a there's a few more things we really want to get into. But um, we want to give some love to our sponsor, Mission Aware. Now, you know, mm -mm, Mission Aware is Landon. Uh, Jeff Landon. He's a nice guy. I like Jeff him. Jeff Landon. Michael Landon's grandson. So anyways, um, Mission Aware has sponsored us in the past. You know, mm -hmm. they've been at our conference. Uh, we love their stuff. And they're stuff. looking to be at a conference again in 2019. Everybody is. Everybody, Everybody is. But is. I think Jeff is going to make it happen. Right, Jeff? So um, here's the thing. We're not sending you to missionaware.com. We actually want you to check out their new Kickstarter. Um, you just, uh, this is a theologianstatues.com is, is the link. But here's the thing. Um, the Mission Aware is creating these beautifully crafted statue busts uh, of some of our favorite theologians, Charles Spurgeon, mm. John Calvin, mm. Martin Luther, mm. Jonathan Edwards, mm. and more. Now, these are cool. They look good. And they're the kind of things that you want because listeners to our podcast, they got books. They got books. And those books... They heavy. They and they fall over That's if right. you don't got something to like, you need put that, on the end. You need the bookend. You need the bookend. The end so, of the book. The what do you end on the end of the book? Right. What are you gonna do? Uh, you're just gonna like put a rock up there, or you can just put more books stacked in a different way. You can do that. That sometimes looks. Some cool, people do that. But you know Some what's cooler people, than that? Uh, probably John Calvin. John Cavill, little statue bust. Mm -hmm. uh, and here's the thing. So the Kickstarter, they needed a a, a goal. They needed to be the goal of like seven thousand five hundred. They're already at fifteen thousand. Uh, so they're gonna make it. Yeah. They're, and they're gonna be doing more <laughs> theologians. That's like, right. Okay, they want suggestions. He does. He, you know what? You know, Jeff and I'm I were gonna, talking on the way here. He was yeah. asking for suggestions. Oh, what did you suggest? Uh, I said I'm going to talk to Joe because yeah. I know Joe's going to want Bunyan. Bunyan for sure. 
How about John Gill? How about some love for John Gill? Mm. Hebrew scholar, how extraordinary. About, how, about, how about a little flavor, flavor? Oh, oh, get some yeah. flavor, 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 flavor. We need. Uh, listen, you guys need to go and and back this Kickstarter. Order these busts. Uh, get in on it while you can. And you know what? Not only is you know go there, but he's given away one set of two to a listener this no, week. No, he's not. Yes, he no, is. No, he is not. Yes, he can is. Can I get it? Nope. What you if can. I listen? You, you, no, because you don't listen. Great. So anyways, uh, check out the infographic that we have in the show notes. you yeah. got to share that, share the description, share the hashtag, and at the on Friday, we're going to pick the winner, and Jeff will send you two of the four. I believe it's going to be, if I remember correctly, I think it was John Kelvin and Martin Luther. All right. Luther, I'm looking at them. Luther might be my favorite Looking of the bus. They all look good, man. That Luther looks. No, I'm sorry. It's Calvin and Spurgeon. Oh, great. <laughs> Got my hopes up. Thought I was going to win Luther. I'm talking. It's Calvin and Edwards. I know I'm new to this, but could we get a Jofo bus? I mean, that. Whoa, there has hey, been discussions. There's, there's been discussions. There's been some bobblehead oh, discussions. Yeah, exactly. But they made it. But uh, so not. Uh, we're not very good at the Kickstarter thing. Yeah, we're not doing the kicks. That's a lot of work, dude. That's a lot of Kickstarter? work. Kickstarter? Yeah. Yeah, but it's a lot of money on the front end. To... If, you, if you're successful, most Kickstarters fail miserably. It, well, not Jeff Landon. Not Mission Aware, because they know what they're doing. My goodness. He's doing well. So. Stephen, you're talking about, uh, oh, go to theologianstatues.com. Check it out. Bam. Stephen, um, you were telling me recently, um, we were talking about persecution, and you were talking about these uh, 344 Christian leaders in China yeah, who made who put their name on a statement, which yeah. is kind of the thing to do. You know, right now, people like to Everyone's do- Everyone's all about statements. like to make these statements, and then like to put the name on them. You know what? We got to come up with our, we're going to do our statement. Okay. Well, you know what? We're uh, doing our statement. You know I what? feel like the statements that we're making here pale in comparison to the kind of statements that uh, these Chinese people make. Mm. Why don't you tell us about this statement that the Chinese Christians made and 344 people put their name on it, and tell us what that means. Man, I wish I could sit down and read it because- um, it's just such a powerful expression, I think, of gospel witness in a context of, you know, great pressure and suffering and persecution. Effectively, why don't you read, can you read the yeah. four, like, headings Absolutely. of those? And then there's a paragraph each. We're going to give you a link to this. You need yeah, to go and check yeah. it out. You got to read this. Don't guys. read it in Chinese. Or it's not going to be helpful no, to our no. You got to read it in English. Stephen, I, go don't on, show The off. English side. The okay. English side. Okay, I got you. I got, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so. Give us the context. Okay, the context is, uh, in, in. In the midst of this sort of uh, consolidation of power amongst Chinese Chinese authorities, um, what we've had is uh, again um, a, a great sense of pressure of pushing the church uh, to come under the authority of the state. Right. And effectively, what the church has done is 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 they've made a stand and say, listen. We're not under the authority of state. Effectively, Jeez. we are under the authority of God and God alone. Ooh. So here are the uh, f- four sort of main headings or bullet points. And Maybe we're going we'll- to send this to all of you uh, uh, Republican uh, SBCers out there. Yeah, Continue. yeah. Okay. All right. So their first point, uh, it says, for the sake of faith and conscience and for the spiritual benefits of the authorities in China and of society as a whole, and ultimately for the glory, holiness, and righteousness mm-hmm. of God. We make the following direct declaration to the Chinese government and to all of society. Ooh, that's scary, dude. Right? It really is. Yeah. This is, this is yeah. like... I mean, this costs, right? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are they? Number one, Christian churches in China believe unconditionally that the Bible is the word and revelation of God. Nice. Number two, Christian churches in China are eager and determined to walk the path of the cross of Christ and are more than willing to imitate the older generation of saints who suffered and were martyred for their faith. That... That's not 
Those aren't just words. No, right? no, that, this, that could be a reality. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just got goosebumps yeah. thinking, you know, more than willing, man, more than willing to imitate the older generation of saints who suffered and were martyred for their faith. Mm. Um, number three, Christian churches in China are willing to obey authorities in China whom God has appointed and to respect the government's authority to govern society and human context. So I think this is important, right? Yeah. So like God has clearly ordained the institution of government. Right. It has a role and a place in society, but the church and the state are not the same. They're not yeah. trying to overthrow the government. That's right. No, right. not That's at all. That's right. That's exactly right. You hear that, theonomist? Mm. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and finally, he says, for this reason, we believe and are obligated to teach all believers that all true churches in China that belong to Christ must hold to the principle of the separation of church and state and must proclaim Christ as the sole head of the church. Wow. And so like what, it initially had almost 200 people sign it? Yeah, and, and that number's actually gone up. I, I've got to do some updating to the site, but I think we're close over to 500 people now, 500 wow. pastors. And I think it's important for people to realize the implications of actually signing your name to this. Mm, Effectively, you're writing your, your name, you know, in, in stone to say, listen, uh, I, I'm, the final ultimate authority is not the state. It's, it's God and God. You're alone. telling the government. That's right. You say, here I am. That's right. It's a public oh witness. Gosh. That's right. You're making yourself visible to, right. you know, searches to, to, you know, people coming in to, as you're talking about, like right. they're knocking down, sing, you know, uh, places of worship and you're yeah. now opening that up. And I was telling you, you know, the, one of the, the key signers uh, of this document uh, was actually the, the gentleman whose uh, church was, was shut down. It's one of the largest churches in Beijing. It's called Zion Church Beijing, 1,500 uh, people on a, on a weekend. Wow. Uh, effectively, the, the government came in uh, Sunday about three weeks, four weeks ago and just said, that's enough. We're done. Shut it down. So. Cool. Well, I, I've got another question, but before I do that, don't be hating on Republicans, Jimmy. You, well, can, you can hate on Democrats too. No, I'm. Well, uh, Democrats yeah. are just as dumb as Republicans. Yeah, but okay. uh, well, hold uh, on. But the Democrats don't use the Bible and no, they don't. or no. yeah, religion to <laughs> no. you know. No, they don't. Try they, to they don't. They people they, into, they don't like in line to follow uh, their savior. Uh, well, they don't like Christianity. Well, say. savior Trump. Yeah. All right. So. Um, so Jimmy's Jimmy's a Democrat, in case you guys were wondering. I'm not a Democrat. Oh, Jimmy Jimmy, Jimmy votes blue every time. <laughs> no, I do not. No, I do not. I Jimmy do not. doesn't vote. Uh, I vote. Because you have to provide ID. Stop he it. He doesn't see, have that. See how I'm persecuted? So if you don't vote blue, do you vote red? I don't, you don't worry about how okay. I vote. All right, fair see, enough. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know this, Stephen, but uh, yeah. he and Trump, they yeah. correspond. Stop it. Don't, we yeah, don't, you do. don't believe him. Yeah, don't right, believe huh? him. Don't yeah. believe him. You get email. How often do you get emails from Trump? Do you still get emails? Yes, I do. Enough. <laughs> somebody signed him up. Is he, somebody used his email to sign him up for uh, Trump campaigns. <laughs> was that you? Well, no, I don't know. You know it was. I don't know if you it was know me. It was. I you sound like do know it was you. Oh, it was so. <laughs> sounds like something Joe would do. It is something that Joe would do. That's why it sounds like it. So, okay. So we're, we're let's, let's talk about uh, maybe a different angle on this. Yeah. How does God, what are some of the actual tangible ways that God uses persecution for the good of his people? Persecution is an evil thing, right? Mm, we don't right. make a, we, we can't pretend that it's a good thing. It's an evil thing. We're not these trying are, to make light of it. No, these are bad people doing bad things and the judgment of God will crush them yeah. unless they believe in Christ who was crushed for them, right? Mm. That, that's, that's those are the only two options. But God still uses persecution for yeah. the good of his people. How, sure. What are some ways in which he does that? Yeah, so I... You know, to your point, I think it's a tough question because any answer that you give, particularly from, you know, one of those non-persecuted settings, yeah. or at least, you know, yeah, from us out west, yeah, yeah. from us out, out, out west, if any answer I, you know, would suggest feels a little bit 
insufficient, you know, mm-hmm. but um, I do think that just as in any uh, place of suffering in our life and God uses that uh, to draw near, mm. you know, and, and to allow us to experience his grace in ways that we perhaps we couldn't, right. you know, without that. So um, I think if you look at it f- both from the perspective of the persecuted, um, you know, God is near. Uh, you know, you think of Psalm 23, he teaches us, mm. he leads us in the valley of the shadow. He comforts us. Uh, and in the midst of that, he, he also equips us. So I think in the midst of persecution, um, there's grace. There's an experience of grace mm-hmm. uh, that perhaps, you know, we don't have when we're not in that. I think for the entire body, there's also grace, the experience of God's grace in that when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. Yeah. And when we all suffer, we all have a common experience uh, to then share in their sufferings um, and, and to come alongside of and to it's really an opportunity, you know, so the persecuted church over there is really an opportunity for us to enter into those sufferings and share uh, with them, you know, in, in, in their sufferings and in their pain. So, um, you know, if one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. And that's a grace. That's a gift of God mm-hmm. that allows us uh, to enter into that. So as one part of the body suffers, as you talk about, how could those of us in the West, how could we come alongside uh, our brothers yeah. and sisters that are being persecuted right. today? Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's in. That's where we, you know, that's where the, the rubber meets the road, right? What mm-hmm. can we do? Um, I think we can't afford to live in ignorance anymore. I think that's the first thing I would say that, you know, increasingly as our world is engaging, uh, you know, cultures and globally speaking, we're, we're engaging situations where believers are suffering. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to be aware, you know, for example, public policy, you know, um, what does it mean when we enter into Iraq, you know, mm-hmm. for example, and what are the implications for the church, right? right? I mean, the church endured great suffering as a result of that. I'm not, you know, trying to justify or no, not justify. Yeah, That's yeah, just yeah. the reality. Yeah. You know, the church endured great suffering. We can't live uh, in ignorance uh, and expect that, um, you know, we can be a blessing to the mm-hmm. church. So I think, one, we got to be aware. I think, secondly, we've got to pray. And I, I know that can be intimidating for folks. And, you know, sometimes we have prayer meetings and, you know, it's hard to get people. And I get that. But I'm just talking about the day-to-day experience of prayer. Yeah. And, you know, as we're reading a, a news story and we encounter Christians that are suffering, you know, what would it look like to just stop, stop. and say, God, sustain them, God, equip them, help them in this, uh, in their place of suffering. Um, you know, as we read and, and hear these stories, we need to stop and, and, and ask God to sustain them on, on their behalf. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of groups out there that are offering practical helps, you know, that work um, very closely with uh, persecuted Christians. Uh, I mentioned Open Doors earlier. What are, yeah, what are some of those resources, organizations and yeah. books that, yeah. we, that we could rec- encourage our people yeah, to Yeah, that's read? great. Yeah, so groups like uh, Voice of the Martyrs, uh, they're I've met some of those guys. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, they're amazing, right? Um, I just had a meeting with with a guy uh, two weeks ago who's serving uh, probably one of the hardest countries there is to serve right now. Um, and um, you know, and can you say what country uh, that is? He, he's he's asked if I didn't. Okay, so we're yeah. not going to talk yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but let's just say, I mean, it, it's 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 um it's a place of great conflict. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of violence directed specifically at Christians. Um, girls are being kidnapped, taken Jeez. from their families. 
uh, pastors are actually being targeted. Um, you know, something like six had been a, a, in his you know personal network had been assassinated. You know, wow. since since oh, June, goodness. since um, June, since June, right? Yeah, and so you know there are groups that are out there, uh, groups like Voice of the Martyrs, groups like uh, Open Doors, and others that are willing um, to go to these hard places and to come alongside of the church in ways that you and I can't, uh, and serve them practically speaking. They resource them. Uh, you know, they help with, with things that just provide sustenance for the Christian communities to sustain themselves, uh, groups like open doors. There's a group that might stretch the boundaries, you know, uh, in terms of, um, what we're traditionally used to. Um, but a group like Coptic orphans, they're the Coptic Mm -hmm. Christians, Orthodox Christians, uh, in Egypt actually go and they serve, um, uh, Tijuana Smalls is not a fan of the Coptic Christians. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, Tijuana Smalls is not a f- fan of anybody. <laughs> like Jesus. Go ahead. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, so, but go village to village and really? serve these these kids that have lost fathers, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, you know, they no longer have that covering in society. And, and so they have volunteers that come alongside of these kids and work with them on their schooling and, and really support and help them uh, just to survive in society. I mean, there, there are countless groups, really. I, I think if, if we're just willing to, to stop and, and take a minute to do some research, mm-hmm. we can find projects. You know, a lot of the, the, the churches here in the U.S., we're always supporting projects overseas, many mm-hmm. times in contexts of persecution. Uh, it's not hard to find, uh, you know, worthy projects. Yeah, to and would you be willing to kind of give, you know, Joe and I a list to put on, on the website, because, yeah. uh, especially the show notes? Because I know as someone that uh, has has spent some time as well overseas, I know, at least I sometimes feel, and I've heard from others, uh, you know, when you do research online, it's hard to know what's legit and what's not, right? What's a, what's a legit ministry that's yeah. going to help and what's one that's, you know, uh, yeah. sure. just trying to be a scam. Yeah. And so no, absolutely. being able to provide kind of those uh, those links, I think, would, would be a good resource. Yeah, yeah we'll have all of that up on, on, on the show notes. And, and Stephen, what, I, what I'd like you to do is to uh, give us at Redeemer, give the elders at Redeemer uh, some some concrete thoughts on how we can uh, bring awareness to and serve the persecuted church. Because yeah. as of right now, we are not doing anything as right. a church. Yeah. So um, and so the, here the listeners can even hold us accountable. Right. Mm-hmm. I'd like a, I'd like to know what we can do as a church. Like what are some you know uh, options for us? What what how can we grow in this as a church? And you know some of our listeners. You know, every one of our churches could probably do something, mm. um, but some of our listeners are going to be called by God to actually go, mm. right, to serve, yeah. to really like the God will call them to actually do this vocationally right. even. Right. And so we all need to be willing to obey God in whatever capacity he calls us. I mm. think that's really, really important. Mm. Stephen, any final thoughts for uh, for our listeners as we're talking about this? I, I think, um, you know, anytime we encounter and we engage with a topic like this, it's hard, right? It's 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 not an easy a uh, place for us again here in a country of abundance and uh generally speaking comfort mm-hmm. um you know to know at times what to do but i think it starts with a heart of willingness yeah. you know and i think you know for anybody that's listening now uh clearly the lord has had you uh, stop and listen for these mm-hmm. last 20 30 minutes um you know for a reason and um you know i i think uh, being willing to say, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm available, uh, just like you've done, you know, with, with the Church of Redeemer and, and others. I think that's the first step. 
uh, but it's the hardest step. Right. And I think a, a willingness to take that first step, uh, it's amazing what the Lord, what, what doors the Lord will open as we, uh, as we go that route. So. Well, Stephen, I appreciate your time. Uh, I kind of want to end things differently, Joe. I don't want to kind of go through the thing, but uh, I'd like to ask you, Stephen, do you mind uh, ending our time praying for the persecuted church? Absolutely. Be my joy. Yeah. Father, you are good and you are kind and you're loving and you're merciful. And at times we need uh, to be reminded of that when we think of the challenges facing uh, our family, our brothers and sisters, those that uh, do suffer because of uh, their love for you and their willingness to identify you. Uh, sometimes despite great spiritual darkness, um, God, they have stood up and declared your name. And so, God, as um, we've been able to have this time together, our hearts are burdened, they're heavy, but we're not without hope. And we thank you for the hope that we have in Christ, uh, that you have not a left, uh, left us alone in affliction or suffering, uh, that none of your children uh, has been isolated and left alone uh, or forgotten. God, that you are there, you are close, you are near to all of us in our afflictions and our sufferings, but particularly those uh, we're remembering right now. God, as we uh, close this program, we just ask for uh, your grace to come upon your church here uh, to respond to the needs of the suffering, uh, and also, God, for your sustaining grace uh, to be made known in ways that would uh, just uh, boggle our minds, that would be surprising uh, to those that have consistently day in and day out faced hardship uh, because of the name of Christ. We pray that you would be near, that you would be close. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.